Hi all, you're listening to At The Bean, a medical education podcast where we discuss high-yield oncology with a focus in radiation oncology. We are Trudy and Josh, and thank you for listening. All right, hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of At The Bean. This is Josh No, and as always, I'm accompanied by Trudy Wu. So today we're going to shake things up a little bit. We have a very special uh, medical student episode for you all. So first off, we wanted to send a congratulations to those of you who have matched this past match day. Um, I know I could speak for both Trudy and myself when we say that we're excited to uh, meet and work with our future colleagues in radiation oncology. And then on that note, we have joining in today a special guest. So we're joined by Hefe Lu. He is a fourth-year medical student at the Medical College of Wisconsin and recently matched at UPenn for radiation oncology. So um, you may have seen some tweets about Hefe in the Twitter sphere and watched his interviews on Good Morning America last week or read it on ABC News. So uh, Hefe was highlighted as he went through residency match this year with his mother, who's going to be pursuing uh, pathology. So first of all, Hefe, huge uh, congrats to both you and your mother. It's an incredible achievement for both of you, and we can't imagine how special it is to go through this with your family. And we wanted to welcome you to At The Beam, and we'd love it if you could share your story with us. Thank you, Trudy and Josh. Yeah, before I start, I just want to thank you guys for bringing me onto this podcast. You know, truly, truly honored to be here. So... So back to the match experience, it was like, it was so surreal that on Monday when we both found out that we matched. So my mom actually started her journey uh, to applying residency back in 2016 um, when she started for like studying for the USMOE boards, like in her spare time outside of work. Um, and she even applied to the match last cycle and she actually won unmatched. So this year for her, uh, she did not have very high expectations um, going into it, knowing that sort of the odds were stacked against her. So finding out that we both matched was quite a surprise, um, actually. Wow. So after we found out, you know, we I reached out to our dean and our communications department at my school uh, to help us just get us a shout out during the uh, the match day ceremony. But that's actually when the snowball started rolling. So the first tweet about us, you know, on Twitter uh, got close to half a million views within the week. And we got interviewed by like two local news stations um, at the match day ceremony. And then in the days that follow, you know, we had Wisconsin media reached out to us, wanted to do a story. Then several national news organizations also started reaching out. Uh, and that's how we made it to Good Morning America. You know, and I throw all this. I try to tell people that, you know, my mom is a superstar. Like what I, I feel like what I achieved in is pale in comparison to uh, what she has done. So Man, that's amazing. I mean, I can't even imagine like the pressure with Match Day alone, you know, regardless of everything else that's been going around, uh, going on around you. And man, it's really exciting. Seriously, like, um, congrats to you both. It's, um, it's got to be a really good feeling. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I know we both love just following your story and just kind of hearing what's been going on. And we're just so glad to have you on and kind of meet you and talk to you and kind of go through this whole process with you. Uh, we do have some questions for, you know, as a medical student and, you know, kind of going up through the field. You know, we're just curious because um, radiation oncology is not a, a very well-known field, even even in medicine. Um, just want to get a sense of how you discovered the field of radiation oncology and kind of what put you towards uh, applying to it. Yeah, so this backstory is actually pretty cool. Uh, so coming into medical school, I was interested in oncology and was heavily considering medical oncology. 
Uh, so early in my third year, uh, one of my close friends at my medical school was like, hey, Hefe, like, why don't you come over to dinner, like my, my friend's place, you know, he's an intern here at our hospital. So I was initially hesitant because like most medical students, I wanted to do UWorld, you know, it was, it was my M3 year. Yeah. Um, but I went anyways, right? You had <laughs> so, a hot date with UWorld that night. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I went and I met this intern guy and he was doing his intern year before like going to Hopkins for IR. So he's like a super smart guy. Uh, and we were sipping on some like really expensive, like collection of bourbon that he had. Like he had this one bottle that was like $7,000. And I was like, oh, I, you're, you're going to let me drink that? Who doesn't know bourbon at all? You know, <laughs> and we're just casually talking about our interests in medicine. And I told him I was interested in oncology. And, and he just paused for a second. He asked me, he said, have you ever considered a radiation oncology? And at the time, I didn't know what it was. So I was like, I, I don't know what that was. So then that's when he got excited. He spent the next two hours like talking into the early morning, like explaining to me what radiation oncology is all about. And for me, like I was mesmerized, you know, like I didn't know like such a cool field that sort of combines uh, the science of particle physics and, you know, cancer, um, like that something like that existed. And I certainly wanted to know more. Uh, so he offered to commit, connect me with his dad, uh, who turned out to be Dr. Manesh Mehta. Um, and for the audience who don't know who Dr. Manesh Mehta is, he's like the Illuminati of radiation oncology. So, <laughs> so that's how I discovered Radon. You know, then I had like really unique experiences, at, like doing some work for Varian, um, met some really amazing mentors out there. You know, shout out to uh, Dr. Sushil Berrywal, who knows that I'm, I'll be here today. So give him a shout out. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Oh, that's a wonderful story. A good way to go in um sounds like uh trudy and i have to buy more seven thousand dollar bottles of bourbon to <laughs> and oh you have big shoes to fill <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure you know for any um upcoming medical students applying this upcoming cycle or future cycles do you have any advice that you can share with them things about you know ways application tips things along those lines yeah so i think my general advice for medical students applying the cycle is to try to build uh, as many connections as you can with mentors and peers um especially in a small field like radonk i think it'll help people to get people to know who you are as a person and which not only will help you you know an application cycle but also like further down the road so and for away rotations i understand that everybody is in a different situation especially financially um, but I would strongly recommend doing one to two aways if you can, you know, at a program that you think you would like to go to. Um, and to succeed at your way rotation is actually not incredibly difficult. I think that, you know, it's not about how much radon knowledge, you know, or how early you go in every day or how late you stay every day. Um, I think the most important thing that you can do to convince a program to consider you as their future resident is to be likable, you know, by attendings, by residents, by staff and patients even. Uh, I think it's really important to, to be yourself, you know, be confident, be genuine, be humble, be curious. Uh, and if you can keep that same energy, you know, throughout the application cycle, uh, application season, like writing your personal statements, like doing interviews, um, I think it really shines through. And, you know, I think programs are going to really appreciate that. Yeah, it's, um, that's really solid advice. That's That sounds great. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now that you're all matched up, you're all ready to go, getting moving plans going, what do you look forward to in the, in the next few years? Yeah, for I feel like for the next few years, uh, I most look forward to finally practicing what I've been learning 
you know, all my life as a job, you know, it's kind of like training as a basketball player and finally making it to the NBA. Well, actually, no, just, just kidding. It's actually, Josh is like still the, trying to do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there soon. Just give me a couple more years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like Josh especially, like, it's more like the G league for now because I'm still a resident, you know? And so not, not quite there yet. We'll, we'll be there one day. Um, like in all seriousness, I think, um, I think there's three things, um, like relationships that I'll build with my patients, like with colleagues and mentors, you know, the knowledge I'll learn to be the best Radonk uh, doc that I can be. And, you know, finally going home to Philly, you know, where I grew up and uh, I absolutely love there. That's incredible. Uh, congratulations again, F. I mean, it's again, wonderful story. We're really glad to see you joining our field. Um, you know, I, I'm actually going to turn over to Trudy at this point. We have a uh, special episode lineup that we're glad that you can join in on. Um, Trudy, you want to take it on? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, congrats again, Hefe. I mean, we're very proud of you and remember, you, you know, meeting you during the interview season and so happy that, um, you know, your, your future is very bright. So thank you for joining us today. Um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to focus on some more foundational concepts and basics of Radonk that's kind of geared towards anyone that's first learning about our field, whether it be a first year medical student or my brother who still has no idea what I do. Um, so Hefe, you're going to walk us through it all. Is that, are you okay with that? I'll try my Ready? best. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm confident. <laughs> all right. So let's um, start off. What is radiation oncology? Yeah, so radiation oncology or radiation oncologist, like not to be confused with radiologists or radiology oncology, we are, are physicians who use therapeutic RT or radiotherapy to treat um, cancers, uh, patients with either uh, curative or palliative intent. So after medical school, we usually complete an intern year in internal medicine or surgery. And then we go on to complete four additional years of training in specialized radiation oncology training. So, you know, the residency adds up to a total of five years. And in radiation oncology, it is not common for residents to pursue a fellowship, unlike our friends in internal medicine, surgery, or OB. Yeah, exactly. So that's actually one of the things I love most about our field is that we generally don't pursue additional training um, after residency. So even my friends who are, you know, I met during intern year and who are in radiology residency, they will do five years of residency. And then oftentimes you have to do additional fellowship training. So that's, you know, extra time right there. Of course, there are certain cases where people may extend their training periods, such as, you know, complete additional lab work to set up a future lab as a physician scientist or seek extra training and subspecialization like proton therapy or brachytherapy. So, Hefe, do you know what percent of cancer patients will receive radiation at some point during their diagnosis and cancer journey? Oh, this is a pretty tough question. I think I'm just going to take a wild guess since I don't really know anything. Um, so greater than 60%. Great job. You, you know, you know much more than you think you do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that's correct. Um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about therapeutic radiation. Uh, so what exactly is ionizing radiation? How do we group sources of ionizing radiation? So ionizing radiation in the context of um, radiotherapy simply means that electrically charged particles induce direct or indirect DNA damage, which stops cells from proliferating. 
There are two common sources of ionizing radiation, uh, one photons and then two uh, particle beams. So let's talk about photons first, since this is like the most common type. Uh, photons are most commonly delivered using high energy X-rays, which are generated by a LINAC, uh, which stands for linear accelerator. The LINAC is a machine that accelerates electrons that can convert to photons to deliver therapeutic radiation, and it is the workhorse of our field. Uh, radiation can also be delivered using gamma rays, uh, which are emitted from the nucleus of a radioactive source. This is most commonly used in brachytherapy procedures where radioactive sources are placed near uh, targets and used to deliver RT. And uh, but there are uh, some other LINAC machines that may, uh, which may use cobalt to generate gamma rays. And the other source of ionizing radiation are particle beams, which include uh, protons, neutrons, or electrons. LINACs are able to deliver uh, electron-based treatments, and this is most commonly incorporated into clinical practice, typically uh, for more superficial treatments. Protons and neutrons, however, require uh, specialized accelerators and expertise that only a handful of centers across the world can offer currently, although newer machines are now arising to make proton therapy more commonplace. Great. Yeah, so generally when we are thinking about therapeutic radiation, we can classify broadly as radiation being delivered externally or internally. So brachytherapy, as Hefe had referenced above, is a form of internal radiation where radioactive seeds are implanted permanently into tumor or tumor bed directly, or a high-energy radioactive source will travel through a temporarily placed catheter depositing radiation dose along its path. So one question that we often get asked by patients is, don't normal healthy cells also get affected by radiation? And so if you get asked that question, how are you going to reply to that? Yeah. So normal healthy cells may also be affected by RT or radiotherapy, but the key difference is that normal cells can recover and repair this damage. Whereas, whereas I uh, think of cancer cells as generally defected and they lack the proper repair mechanism to fix DNA damage, thus they die off because of radiation. So also Different radio, radiation delivery techniques are used, such as intensity modulation and field shaping or fractionation to limit normal tissue exposure to radiation. Great explanation. Um, so we will fractionate radiation for many disease sites, as you may remember. But can you explain what exactly does fractionation mean? Yeah. So the concept of fractionation is a foundational concept of RT uh, and basically means that we're dividing the total prescribed dose into small daily fractions. So like uh, treatments over the course of several weeks, this typically means that the patient is getting 1.8 to 2 grays per fraction and grays is our unit of dose, which, is, which was formerly known as RADS. And also fractionation acts on the basic radiobiologic principle that allows normal tissues to repair and repopulate during treatment, while the malignant tissues are further damaged via redistribution and reoxygenation. Of course, there are risks for interfractional tumor growth, and this is obviously balanced by the overall dose regimen. Great job. And nice slip in of um, the four R's. So the four R's, for those of you who may not know, are the main radiobiological principles thought to impact how tissues respond to fractionated radiation. So again, these stand for repair, repopulation, redistribution, and reoxygenation. So let's get a little more clinical here. So Hefe, in general, what are the two indications slash intent for radiation in the treatment of a cancer patient? So when considering radiation, we always want to determine whether there's curative or palliative intent with our treatments. 
If we employed radiation curatively, it is often in conjunction with surgery or systemic therapy. If radiation is given after surgery, it is termed adjuvant. And if given before surgery, then we call it neoadjuvant. When radiation is given with systemic therapy, we term it concurrent chemo-RT. Some example of disease sites where uh, radiation can be used curatively is in prostate, breast, head and neck, cancers, uh, and among uh, many others. And furthermore, you can hear the term definitive RT, which means that the radiotherapy will be the primary mode of treatment, often indicating that there will be no surgical interventions involved. And on the flip side, radiation can be employed for palliation and to reduce symptoms from uh, tumor burden. Uh, one of the most common indications for palliative RT is pain. Yeah, great job. Exactly. Many of the reasons why radonks get consulted from inpatient services is for palliation, often in advanced cases. So, um, Hefe, while we are on the topic of palliation, what are some common inpatient consults we may get? So I, as I just mentioned, um, radiation can be an effective and durable treatment for pain control, usually in the treatment of bone metastasis. And other reasons why we might get consulted are spinal cord compression from tumor, vascular compression, brain metastasis, bleeding, or bronchial obstruction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in patients who get palliative radiation for bone meds, how effective is radiation? So about two-thirds of the patients will experience some degree of pain relief, and a quarter of the patients will experience complete relief. And palliation may not be instant, and the median onset uh, to pain relief is actually around uh, three weeks. So we often bridge that with medical pain management. Yeah. And then can you explain what a pain flare is? Because we commonly throw this term around in the clinic, and how can we prophylactically treat for that? Yeah, a pain flare is a transient worsening of pain after radiation, more likely to occur in patients with uh, more severe pain at the offset. It usually develops one to three days after radiation and is thought to be secondary to the inflammatory effects of radiotherapy. And over-the-counter NSAIDs can um, help with the transient pain flares, but a short course of steroids can also be prescribed as well if the patient doesn't respond to uh, NSAIDs. Great. So let's talk about a typical routine when seeing a new patient. So the patient that comes to see us will typically already have been diagnosed and worked up. Usually these are sometimes referrals from like tumor board. So the first thing we usually do is see the patient and consultation as an outpatient. At that appointment, we will make the recommendation for or against radiation and discuss logistics and side effects. So if the patient will receive radiation, usually the next step is to get a CT simulation scan, and which is often called CT sim for short. So Hefe, what's a CT sim? So a CT sim is a treatment planning scan that we usually obtain before each radiation course. These scans are typically performed in a radon department uh, as special tables and devices and localization tools are needed. These appointments generally last no longer than an hour, and our patients are usually immobilized using a vac lock, a mask, uh, depending on our treatment sites uh, to ensure reproducibility and positioning uh, before each fraction. So for example, if a vac lock, which is essentially like an air type beanbag mold uh, is created at the time of CT sim, then the patient will lay in the same mold for each of their treatments to reproduce that same position. So after the scan is obtained, we'll sometimes fuse the CT sim with other imaging, such as PET scans or MRI, which um, may offer better visualization of our targets and that helps delineate the treatment volumes. 
Exactly. Yeah. So a CT SIM is usually the first step in starting the radiation process. And you may ask, why not plan with an MRI or a PET CT? And the reason is that CT scans offer density information on how radiation will travel through different media in the body, such as air, bone, fat, muscle, and so on. So we can use that personalized data for customized treatment planning. After the SIM, a good rule of thumb is that the first fraction of radiation will start about a week after um, to allow for treatment planning and quality assurance. So what's the general workflow after a CT scan? So the radiation oncologist will contour the treatment volumes, noting the areas that we would like to treat with radiation and the different dose levels to each target that they might need. Uh, after the contours are finalized, a dosimetrist or a medical physicist helps create the radiation plan. And the treatment planning is careful and is often a very time-consuming process. And this often uh, is why it takes several days to come up with a radiation plan. And we and because we want to be thoughtful in designing the best uh, radiation plan that achieves the excellent coverage of the target while minimizing dose to the nearby organs at risk. Uh, after the plan is approved by the radiation oncologist, the plan must be QA'd or quality assured, uh, which can be anything from double checking the dose calculations to running a phantom plan on the machines itself to ensure that our plans uh, treatment will play out the way we intended to uh, play out. And this typically occurs the night before the patient starts the treatment or but ideally be a few days before that. Yeah, that's a great overview. Um, QA and the many safety checks our departments have in place are very important and ensure that the treatment is delivered correctly, effectively, and safely. So radiation plans, they can range in complexity, often depending on the intent. So for example, a palliative, you know, treatment versus definitive, and also the dose and fractionation. So let's say the patient has started treatment. We often throw around the term OTV. So Hafei, what does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, so OTV stands for on-treatment visits. Uh, these are usually quick visits that occur once a week between the radiation oncologist and the patient while the patient is actively, actively getting treatment. And the purpose of these visits is to mainly assess for any acute side effects, but also we can use that time to check in with patients to see how they're doing or answer any questions that may come along the way. Exactly. And um, so when you're checking for toxicity, we usually divide radiation-related toxicity into acute or chronic. So chronic toxicity is usually defined of, as at least three months after the patient finishes radiation. And the toxicity profile is often different from acute toxicity. Yeah. So radiation toxicity is typically related to where we are pointing our radiation beam. Uh, it is sometimes or common misconception by patients and even some practitioners that our patient's side effects may be related to radiation when the affected organ is not in the field of treatment. Awesome. And to wrap things up, let's close with a shout out to all the team players in radiation oncology who help us take care of our patients. So one thing that I never realized, even as a medical student, is how many people are involved in treating a patient with radiation. So Hafei, do you want to quickly name off some members of the team who make all of this effort possible? Absolutely. Yeah. So we have the physicians who, uh, which include the radiation oncologists and often the resident as well. There are mid-level providers, nurses, techs that help in the clinic. 
We also have dosimetrists and medical physicists who help create the radiation plan and ensure radiation delivery is safe, and radiation therapists who actually manages the um, the radiation delivery uh, process, which and are by law the only ones who are able to press go on the machine. Also, there are support staff like social workers, administration, uh, front office staff that help ensure um, ensure that our patients are cared for. And of course, medical students like me who come in just ruin everything. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> we love you guys. Um, excellent job, Hafe. That was so great. Thanks for joining us today. And again, congratulations on your match. Such a big achievement. And I really hope you get to spend the next few months um, before you start intern year doing some fun things. And we would like to thank Astro's Resources on Radiation for Healthcare Professionals uh, for serving as a guide for creating this episode. And we'll link the PowerPoint in our show notes. Be well and remember to trust, but always verify. Oh, thank you.